0: Hello and welcome to the Association of Irish Choirs podcast.
1: So hello and welcome to the Association of Irish Choirs podcast. Um, It's wonderful to be starting our podcast and it's, uh, I hope, something that you'll tune into on a regular basis. My name's Dermot O'Callaghan, I'm Chief Executive of of the Association of Irish Choirs and on this first podcast we're joined uh, by Yvonne Ferguson, who's Director of the Contemporary Music Centre and by Bernie Sherlock, who is Artistic Director of the International Choral Conducting Summer School with the Association of Irish Choirs and many choirs including New Dublin Voice and uh, Colwick amongst others so you're very welcome and thanks so much for being here. Um, just to get straight to it, I wonder, could we talk a little bit uh, to give a little bit of the, I suppose, your personal experiences with choral music and maybe even to when you were young people, how how, how you got involved with choral music and how that was? Uh, maybe to yourself, Yvonne, first.
2: I suppose, like many people uh, around the country, I went to a small rural country school um, in Donegal in the 70s. And, uh, you know, most singing was connected with an event like Confirmation, communion masses that were coming up and there was a particular teacher in my primary school who was quite keen on getting everybody singing and that was supported by the principal as well who was very, very keen on that. So it wouldn't have been this kind of very, I suppose, systematic or, you know, rigorous, um, disciplined choral training. It was singing for events and singing together and trying to create, I suppose, as sweet a sound as she could from um, unruly country children in the 70s. <laughs> but uh, then, you know, my interest in singing and my love of singing, I suppose, further developed when I went to UCD and studied music and English. And it was obligatory at that time, I'm not sure if it still is, to be part of the choir, which was run by Shorsha Bodley at the time, who was Professor of Music there when I was there. And um, so that was satb choir and uh, i was in alto and it was a wonderful experience for me actually to be in that sound and be part of that sound i'll never forget the first piece we did i think it was one of Shosha's favourites was um ceremony of carols one christmas when i was in first year and it sort of went from there and i've i guess i've always been in and out of choirs at different points as an adult um depending on time and other commitments yeah
3: yeah, well, like Yvonne, I would have been involved in a little bit of singing in primary school just for occasions. Um, but in secondary school, I was fortunate enough to be in a school where they had a lot of choral singing, um, Mercy Convent and Navan, And they had they, they were involved in competitions with the department competitions every year. So I loved that. And um, I wouldn't have come from a background of classical music or choral singing at all. Um, and then when I went to Trinity, I joined Choral Society. Uh, and the very first piece we did was Bach, Mass and B Minor. I was absolutely blown away. I just loved it. I loved those semi-cravers. I just relished it. It was wonderful. And then after a couple of years, I joined um, Trinity College Singers, which is smaller. I think we had only maybe 16 or 17 singers. Met my husband there, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I guess after that, I sang in a couple of other choirs like Park Singers, Went to Hungary, studied for two years there and everything we did in Hungary was involved singing, choral singing, ensemble singing, singing and analytical excerpts. Through, uh, it was all through the voice um, and then and studied conducting there, of course. So then I guess when I came back to Ireland, I, I went more to the conducting end of it. So,
1: yeah, it's been there for a good part of my life. So often people, you both brought up a piece of music, Ceremony of Carols, and for yourself the um, Bach. Bach B Minor. Mm-hmm. For me it was the Mozart Requiem was one, oh, just that nice. fugue, the Kyrie at the start, and it just always reminds me of a moment I sort of, it clicked with me, the choral music was something I was mm. really fascinated by and really engaged with. Um, and I think the other part then you are mentioning about that person, the teacher or the local practitioner Mm. who is really instrumental in getting people involved. I think so many people have that same experience. There are so many excellent people around the country who just have uh, helped people to develop
0: a love for it. To become a member of the Association of Irish Choirs, please visit our website at aoic.ie or call 061 234 823.
1: In in terms of Irish choral music are there, you know, in terms of interaction with your own at uh, life has choral music been a big part of it, a small part of it? Uh, I know for, mm. for I know both of you, in fact, have choral music as part of your life. Yeah,
2: it's a very, very big part of my life at the moment as a parent. Um, all three of my children are involved in the choirs at the Pro Cathedral in Dublin. So my, my son is in the Palestrina Choir, which has a very long um, and illustrious history, I suppose you could say, over the last hundred years. And my daughters are in the Pro Cathedral Girls Choir, which is a new um, choir formed in 2008 by Blonna um, who runs all the music at the Pro Cathedral. And I guess it came from the fact that Blonnet, you know, was very keen that girls had the same access to choral training, that very disciplined, quite rigorous, um, but very social choral training that the boys have had for years and years in the Palestrina Blonde wanted that for the girls of the Dublin Diocese and I'm very lucky that uh, my girls are able to avail of that and it is very social, it's incredibly social you know um, I would say all three of my children they, they love going there to sing but they love going there to see their friends who sing and these are friends they have outside of school, outside of the GEA club, outside of other things that they do in their lives and you know that that kind of common bond of this of this very you know social music making I think that's very very special with choral music it's very very special.
3: Absolutely. And they're fortunate that you're able to bring them to this great choir. Um, I don't think we've been as lucky with our children five children and none of them have really been involved in in school choirs. Um, in fact now two Our two sons are in New Dublin Voices, which is wonderful. There's four of the family in New Dublin Voices. But I think it's it's not as easy now to find good school choirs. I mean, it's one thing the passionate school teacher who gets choirs to sing for occasions. So it's not really high level singing, but it's still, you know, it's still communal singing. Choirs at a higher level, it's becoming harder and harder to find those. And I know that, I suppose, from adjudicating around the country as well. And I think that's because times have changed and teachers are now um, maybe less willing to give up their free time because of to Road Agreement and all that kind of stuff. I know, being married to a secondary school teacher, how busy they are. It's incredible, the, the workload. Um, so it's harder and harder to find schools that can either pay a teacher to teach mm-hmm. during normal class time or who are willing to come in at 8.15 or stay after 4pm to take choir. Um, so it's I, th- I think children who have the opportunity to be in a choir that can sing in multi-parts are very privileged.
2: Yeah, I th- I would agree with you, Bernie. You know, I mean, I'm just lucky that I can schedule that in to my life and bring them in, and and that I live you live where close. I live. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I do I do agree with you. That is that is a real gift for me and my family. And um, I really think that the I suppose the only way that we're going to bring you know children to singing in a very very real way is if it was in the school day and I, I am quite a strong advocate of that I mean I know there is the other thinking um, around music education that it must be you know something that is very much a kind of a taken up by the children outside of school that it is not made obligatory within the school day etc etc however coming from a country area like I do and, and running the music education partnership in Donegal which was a precursor to music generation which was the pilot to music generation you know, people that live in those areas transportation is is a real issue that the practical concerns are a real issue and if you can bring a kid to singing during the school day like you can to hurling training or like you can to a maths project or a, a reading project I think that's really where the big impact is you know ha- has ha- can happen and really without something that's going on during the school day i think i, I would agree it's always going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
3: struggle struggle and more for privileged people who can either afford or who have the time or yeah. the transport to get children to right. special that's right.
1: and and i think sometimes that's that's how you know the idea that some something like singing is something that other people do rather than something that everyone should get involved with because we understand having had that in school or having had that leader who really drew you in and made you interested in choral music. Um, For me actually I was in the Palestrina Choir as well. I was fortunate I was in Dublin and I had access. Um, But there are so many good uh, practice models like that right around the country but how do we make sure that there's a more democratic uh, involvement for for young people in their singing through school that that it is more um, ingrained in what they're doing. I'm hopeful, actually. I think over Are the you? next <laughs> number of years, I am because there's so much in terms of you know the the music generation initiatives that they've started. There is an investment, a financial investment in music education, and that's a long term program.
3: Yeah. You know, but enough. again that's it's only enough. for certain places. It's f- like yeah. it really needs to be state funded or state sponsored it needs to be something that's part of today, day. Yeah,
2: I, th- I think Bernie's right. I mean, it needs to come from the department. It mm-hmm. needs to come from the top. It needs yep. to be policy. I mean, I've seen just um, as my children go through primary school, there are all these really exciting initiatives to get them interested in maths. You know, there's Maths Week. There's wonderful initiatives to, to improve literacy and to improve reading. You know, there was this big project, my, my son did years ago, where he had to read a piece every night and, and colour a picture. You know, it was all this kind of way of thinking about bringing them to different subjects. Science is really pushed. Art is really pushed. I mean, my, my eldest daughter, you know, was doing some project on Freda Kahlo. I didn't know who she was until I was about 21. You know, I so still don't
3: know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, there's all this progress being made with other subjects. But I think somebody at the top, just like was done in Finland, I think in the 70s or, mm. you know, somebody has to say, OK, we are really going to make music, you know, part of the day in school. And the very easy way to do that is with an instrument that we all carry around costs nothing. that doesn't involve any capital investment by the school or by the the parents association or people who are concerned with, you know, the budgets of schools uh, by parishes who, who run them. Um, you know, it's it's really quite it, It's not easy, but it's quite a bit easier, I think, than a lot of people who Mm. maybe sit at departmental level realise.
1: Certainly from the choral music point of view and the singing, just all you need is your voice, as you've said. So if we can somehow just instil that within um, the Department of Education's thinking. Just, if we
3: can just. Just, yeah. There's a big big leap there. There's so much research has been done now to show the value of singing and how it improves the areas you're talking about, like maths and languages, you know, your knowledge of culture. There's just so much in in the focus as well of a child in, in singing with other people, the concentration
1: and I think in Ireland we maybe undervalue that a little bit because internationally if you look to other countries they just have this as an integral part of their culture in many instances I'm thinking of places in Europe you know Scandinavian countries they sing much more readily I think in terms of their it, it, it's totally inbuilt into their schooling and Hungary of course and the ver- numerous models across Europe where, where, where it's possible so it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel to do it we just maybe need to look to our neighbours um, would that be your experience, Bernie, in terms of what an international uh, culture does, you know, different to to us Irish?
3: Well, I mean, if you look at countries with much smaller population than us, like Estonia, Latvia and um, Slovenia, they're all two, around two million or less and they have fabulous Um, choral singing cultures. Then other countries like Germany, where I think in um, Fergus Shields' report, Raising Your Voice, he said they sing six to eight times more than we do in Ireland. You know, I know we're very proud of our singing and that I think, Dermot, you mentioned... A figure of something like 250,000, is that what you said, singers? And
1: up to that many who are involved in singing yeah. throughout society, be that in school, be that outside of school, yeah. be that, you know, you know, right across the yeah. styles, different styles, musical theatre, so, uh, solo yeah. singing, pop singing. You know, people are singing, yeah, they can, enjoy it. So it's how do we harness
3: that? And yet we lag behind some of these other countries like Finland, Germany. Um, Estonia, Slovenia and I mean I know just from travelling to those countries and competing the level of their choirs it's phenomenal in some cases and the number of professional choirs they have I mean we have a situation here where our only professional choir is project based where you know 10 years ago it was such it was an important part of my life going to those concerts regularly and hearing the repertoire hearing the level of singing and now it's it's kind of reduced and we have you know professional singing in in the cathedrals um and opera courses but other than that there's nothing you know full time or professional like you couldn't really make a good living as a choral singer in Ireland you have to have other things but in countries like Estonia or Latvia where they have several professional choirs it's just a much better scene
1: yeah, and I think that mm-hmm. that goes right back to the the way the the way the choral music is viewed, and the way that music in general is viewed mm-hmm. in the system. You know, it, I, and I I go right back to the education system. If we had it, it, like ourselves, if you have it in school, if you get it from an early mm-hmm. age, you understand it. You you don't need to sort of win the case for yeah. value, you know. And I think sometimes music can have struggle with that because we haven't had people just engaging with it in a very holistic way as they've been brought up. So, we have
3: more choral singers than soccer players in Ireland. Well, that's the, that's the, what
1: they're, it's the truth. And they're, Do we
3: realise that?
1: Yeah, there's a recent uh, European Choral uh, Association study that says exactly that. There are more people singing in Europe than there are uh, playing soccer. So, who would have believed I, that? I
3: wonder how much funding
1: <laughs>
3: goes <laughs> to soccer compared to, to course.
2: Well, yeah, no, very yeah. interesting
1: comparison.
2: And I think all those transferable skills of kind of, you know, because b- bringing it back to sport, I mean, being in a choir is like being in a team. Yes. And we've often kind of said that to, to to our own children. And, you know, I think those are, those are that's the kind of thought process or transferable skills. I don't think probably people are realising within the primary school system or, or secondary school. You know, it's just that the, the vast majority of principals probably don't appreciate that there are huge transferable skills between, you know, learning all the disciplines of music and and choral singing that can be brought into other subjects and can be brought into a kind of a holistic education uh, approach. And yeah, all the, all the surveys are there to back it up. I mean, there was a huge, a really interesting article in The Guardian a few months back as well about the fact that even this kind of lifelong learning um, and, and your kind of brain being very, very active starts with the musical training you have as a child and that um, as as we get older and this was I think a survey done of, of, of an older generation of people all those things we learn if we have had musical training mm-hmm. are things that keep our brain active as we go on so there are so many numerous advantages to choral training and musical training in general.
0: Have you ever thought about singing but never plucked up the courage to do it? Here's your chance. Give the Association of Irish Choirs a call and we'll point you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something, certainly at the Association of Irish Choirs, we're trying to, you know, show the cross benefits of singing, you know, singing has its own intrinsic value, but actually your mental health, your physical health, your well-being and your life, the fact is, you know, it's totally enhanced by your interaction with, with music and that has a benefit to society, that has a benefit to everything we do and therefore, you know, that that the, the value of it and winning that case to, you know, the government or to the powers that be that are providing the various services. Um, it's it as much for for me about pushing those elements as the music for itself because um, why should we expect people who haven't been, you know, through a system that has enabled an access to music to understand that unless we can show them the cross benefits and then show it, oh, it for its own value? Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, if we could talk about commissioning. And uh, I think given the wealth of experience we have around uh, through Bernie and Yvonne, uh, it might be nice to just speak about your experiences of commissioning and maybe sort of best practice ways of going about commissioning. Um, Might go to Yvonne briefly.
2: Okay, um, I'm not going to answer that question directly first. I'm going to come to it um, from from another angle. Just before I we kind of talk about commissioning, I suppose I want to talk about all the work that already exists by Irish composers, uh, all the wonderful choral music that's already there down at the shelves and on our database in the Contemporary Music Centre in 19 Fishamble Street because, of course, we want to encourage the creation of new work, but there is a really fine body of work um, by Irish composers that we would like to see choirs taking up. And we've worked quite hard over the last two years to make sure that 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 area of our catalogue is accessible to choirs so we um, had three people come in who are very active in choral music to curate the choral area of our collection to make that a little bit easier for conductors and singers around the country to access so they're on our website they have a little description of each piece, it details the range, the level of difficulty um, really to try and engage people And so that choirs are are kind of coming to choral music by Irish composers without the trepidation maybe that they would have, which is sometimes associated with performing contemporary music. So that's something we've done in the last couple of years that will move on now to a licensing of those scores from our site again to try and make sure that we make things easy for choirs that you don't have to come into fishamble street in dublin to to look at these pieces that you don't have to necessarily ring up make the order it's all online for you to browse a sample page to see if it's suitable for your choir and then to order that and print it out online so For us, we've really pushed that because we feel genuinely that there's this wonderful body of work. Um, You know, a lot of the commissions by by Bernie and by other people around the country that have created this wonderful body of work by Irish composers. Um, So, moving on to commissioning new work, yeah, we're we're very keen, of course. And it's it's through this way of kind of, I suppose, informing choirs that there are composers who write very, very well for choir and they're based here in this island and perhaps, you know, you, sh- you, you might consider engaging with them. So we would often get calls from choral directors or be people who are, who are, you know, singing in choirs who would like to work with Irish composers. And then we're pointing them to our catalogue. We're pointing them to different composer pages on our site trying to get them to think about what kind of style because the wonderful thing about contemporary music in Ireland is it's incredibly diverse incredibly vibrant there is no one Irish style of choral music of of contemporary music Uh, there's no Irish school of contemporary music so we're trying to say to them okay have a little bit more of a think here who you like to work with what pieces you like the sound of already and I suppose to make a kind of Uh, a healthy marriage between a composer and uh, a choral conductor and then we would offer some advice on where there is the possibility of getting funding for commissioning.
1: It's a f- fantastic resource, and just to look at that Contemporary yep. Music Centre site, cmc.ie, it's uh, really worth a look if you haven't looked at the existing repertoire. And also, I know how helpful they are there in terms of uh, just just call them and ask them about their choral library and people there. Susan is our, really our library so-
2: coordinator, be very happy to, to point people in any direction that they need a bit of help. And, and, and I suppose the sample pages are a huge asset because mm. you do get an idea very quickly if this. Is a composer um, whose style your choir would l- would be likely to engage with, or that you and there feel are different
1: levels of you know sometimes contemporary music can be viewed as, as maybe very difficult music, but that's not the case always. And there's a lot in no, that catalogue that, that, that is much what, yeah, more. Yeah, and that was
2: a big a big priority for us with the catalogue, Dermot, that we made it very clear to choirs at different levels that they could access that there was pieces here that they could access, and it was, there's a there's a whole category. I accessible um accessible level you know so some of those pieces are in unison or in in two part and you know i suppose every every conductor wants to present a slight challenge to their choir because that's what makes it exciting and that's what makes people come on a weekly basis to be challenged um but you don't want to present a piece that's so incredibly um difficult that people are are scared of so that was one of our big you know, priorities with the catalogue to really bring people there and through engaging with pieces that are already there and with the catalogues there to move on to commissioning
3: people that they, they might think they would really like to engage with. Just to applaud Yvonne on, on all of that because it's great that it's becoming digital and that you can just go online and see this sample page and maybe hear a sound bite and then uh, this year I think we'll yeah. be able to order online, which is the way a lot of publishing companies are going now. And it makes it so easy. You, 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 you In some cases, you might even be allowed to, to print a perusal score and then decide, because I sometimes have to buy multiple copies of something and then I discover, well, actually it's not really what i want mm. you know so that's great and the catalogues are great
1: what what's your experience of i suppose just to talk about specifically commissioning i know you've done that numerous times bernie mm. and working with an irish composer in that way what 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 has your ex- i i i'm sure there are varying degrees of uh, really happy collaborations and maybe ones that were a bit more tricky what advice might you give to people who may who might never have commissioned as a choral director
3: um because that's a tricky question, because obviously my experience is we've, I think, done, New Voice has, I think, given the word premiere for about 48, 49 pieces now. So it's a good statistic. And But some of those commissions were group commissions, like in 2008, when our were very early days, the Spatial... Spatial... Music Collective Spatial Music Collective um, got funding from the Arts Council to commission us to perform six pieces by piece, uh, composers like Jonathan Nangle, Linda Buckley, and Debates, and that was great for us because the whole idea was to make it spatial. So you know we weren't performing in traditional choir setup; we were all around um, the building. That was wonderful. Um, uh, Ian Wilson got funding from An Fharascoile for an Irish piece. Um, the Irish Composers Collective got funding from the Arts Council for 12 pieces, I think, in 2014. Um, So these were all schemes where we were approached and then we were commissioned as the performing body for them uh, and they secured the funding. Um, In other situations, well, it's been very nice for us because people have approached us and said, well... Here's a piece I've written and hasn't been performed yet. Are you interested? And then I look at the piece and I discover it's a wonderful piece. So that's, that's very nice as well. And, um, and it was very interesting with the Irish Composers Collective where part of the project was doing workshops. So in the first workshop, for example, I laid out what I thought were things that the choir enjoyed doing and could do easily, things that are very uh, complicated but that are good to challenge us on and things that shouldn't be done. And I remember one of the most important things I felt was that composers should try to sing in a choir. Because if you sing in a choir, you get a much better feel um, for composing for voices, which is very different from composing to instruments. You know, the pianist, the note is there, the violinist knows where to put the finger automatically and the sound comes out. The singers, even with perfect pitch, it's not straightforward, you know. Um, So I I felt that for for composers, working with composers, um, it's it's good if they understand the voice. It's better if they understand the voice. But recently... um, You know, Sean Doherty is a wonderful um, young composer, only in his 20s, um, and he's won a lot of prizes so far. And he is actually singing in the choir now. Um, But we have done a number of his pieces. He writes, he understands the voice so well because he's done a lot of choral singing. Um, and that makes such a difference. Yeah, I think that I I would agree with Bernie on that. That
2: certain composers approach choral music with a lot of trepidation, and they they don't feel they have the skills. And the, we would have, we would see that even you know among the two hundred composers on our books they're not all of them that are writing choral music, you know more composers are writing instrumental music, there's quite a a kind of a unique body, I suppose, Mm. of of composers that are writing choral music and it's something that we've been concerned with I suppose, in terms of developing the art form and, you know why do composers feel they don't have the skill to write choral music and even when James McMillan came over and did that workshop with the BBC Singers Mm -hmm. and I was talking to him on the way up and he said yeah, you know, it's, it's absolutely as you say Bernie they haven't sung in a choir they don't appreciate the voice they're super scared sometimes yeah. and they feel how do I how do I get this skill level and you know we've had a number of workshops where we've tried to to bring them there, there's one coming up at the Chamber Choir in Tariq O'Regan where Sean has written right. and some sketches and Michael Gallen and Amanda Feary. so three of you know our finest up and coming composers but people who want to develop their skill level mm. composers are are, are are all about lifelong learning as well. So people are always wanting to develop their skill. And this particular skill, I think, is, you know, something that... Only certain composers want to develop. And I would agree with Bernie. They, they need to be interested in singing or sing in a choir or engage with a choir. Yeah, really, but actually,
3: there's so you much know, you can do nowadays because you have all kinds of technology at your fingertips. If you don't sing in a choir, you can go online, find out what are the best choirs, what are they singing, what's the new music they're singing, yeah. what are choirs able to do, what are professional choirs doing, what are amateur choirs doing. You know, to, there's so much composers can do to educate themselves, themselves. About
1: absolutely yeah, I think yeah. that's the really exciting thing about choral commissioning specifically that they can get to know a choir that they can hone their craft in terms of trying to develop ways that uh, choirs are going to engage with their music more readily and for the choir there's the huge excitement of maybe working really with a composer to produce a piece that's individual to their choir you know um, what you've mentioned about workshops and working with the choir and the ways they like to sing and what they like to See in their music um, can be reflected in yeah. that commission, and um, I think that that really is a huge benefit for composers if they can get in at the start of um, a choir's a journey in performing a piece to to, to really show their choir. Uh, and the specific talents of they choir, I think a composer can write to that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. am yeah, just remembering from... a number of those composers have sung with us over the years, like Gareth Shoulders, you know, we had a commission from him um, from the Arts Council way back, Linda Buckley, <laughs> um, who has owned Desmond, has sung with us on and off, another very good young composer um, who's doing great things, is yeah. published now by Sulisol. Yeah, he's also represented by the Contemporary Music Centre. Yeah. And all those composers
2: as well, I think qu- quite a number of them would have sung as children. So I think yes. Garrett came through the cathedral system as well. Linda did a lot of singing when she was in UCC, um, both traditional choral yeah. singing and, and choral singing. So there's a quite a personal connection there too. But I think what you're saying really is about communication. So there's a huge potential um, for composers to work with choirs, to workshop, to really get to know them to write something particular for that choir and that's all about communication and that is a unique opportunity because it's not there for a symphony orchestra you can't just rock up to the (laughs) NSO and say here's a little bit of a sketch here can you tell me what I'm doing wrong or right so there is that kind of personal connection that can happen between composers and choirs it may need to be facilitated by yourselves in AOIC or by ourselves in CMC but it is possible and that's what's I think so wonderful. Absolutely. Um, And we should
1: say, you know, how how does a choir go about engaging? How does a composer go about engaging in commissioning and composing for choirs? Um, As you've said, our resources, um, the Association of Irish Choirs, Contemporary Music Centre can help. But maybe in terms of funding, there are avenues that people could consider, such as local authority arts offices. Uh, Every county has one and that they, you know, there are different schemes operating in each one and they're individual to each county. But certainly an artistic and Endeavor, such as we're talking about is something that they would absolutely fit into their, um, I suppose, their policies and their strategies in terms and the of Arts engaging. Council as
3: well, the Arts Council yeah. has a very good scheme. We, we um, availed of that last year for actually not an Irish composer, Vitalis Mishkinis from Lithuania, um, and they provided the funding for that, which is wonderful.
1: Absolutely, and it's a resource that's, uh, that's ready, uh, readily available and you can find all the information on the Arts Council website and, and look at the uh, local arts offices to see what schemes they have and whether you can find funding through them Yeah, that. I
2: think the local authority arts office is probably a, a place where it's more of a... Not a, not a kind of an education, but a kind of an informative exercise. If you went to your local arts officer, and they would be very aware. I think some of, of them choirs. Very yeah, aware Some of them um, would be aware of the choirs in their in their yeah, communities, yeah. but they probably just wouldn't make the connection between commissioning uh, a new piece of work in that way for a choir in the way that they would perhaps for you know a local gallery or a local roundabout. Or you I mean the public? The public art scheme has. Moved towards more music commissions, but it was a bit slow. It was the, the piece of, of sculpture outside, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, certainly local authorities are moving in the right direction for music commissions with the public arts scheme. And I think that's something that any local arts officer would be, you know, interested in kind of hearing more about in terms of ideas. Absolutely. How a local choir And, and, and can maybe
1: and, they don't have a scheme that this would particularly fit into right now, but it will certainly inform their thinking uh, into the future. We don't want yeah. arts offices suddenly inundated with queries just looking for funding. If you can work collaborative, collaboratively with your arts office to create, you know, work that's going to have really Real meaning in a public art way, mm-hmm. then uh, there are there are avenues for it. There's also your own fundraising you can do. You know, choirs so often mm-hmm. uh, fundraise for concerts or for events or for travel. This is another thing that they could look at doing, <laughs> not to add to your burden, guys. You, you I know there's a huge that, amount though, because,
3: push. for example, the Arts Council gave us funding for the fee for the composer, but there's still other fund. There's other money associated with pre- performing a world premiere. You know, you have a venue to hire and maybe posters and publicity and that kind of thing. So generally there will have to be fundraising by choir. Just something else, I think choirs can always develop a relationship with a young up-and-coming composer. A composer can bring bits and pieces to the choir and the choir will try it out and say, oh, this is great or this doesn't work quite so well. I mean, there are lots of other ways for composers to develop this choral writing
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, and there are so many composers living in the vicinity as well as uh, further afield that they can look to. And, and I think a great resource just to see where the composers are living is the Contemporary Absolutely. Music Centre again. We, we mapped and it
2: a few years back where certain composers were living. So um, maybe that's something we need to put back mm. up on the site, actually, to remind people that there, there are composers living in their local community. They're not, you know, in some island off the <laughs> West Coast. They're living in everybody's community. They are bringing their children to school. School. They are perhaps involved in local arts activity or local sports activity. They're citizens. They're citizens of They're this real. country. They're, alive. They're real. They're You can touch them. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's the unique thing. You can mm-hmm. Talk to this composer. You, they'll be there at your rehearsals. They'll work through the piece with you, and that's. I mean, I sit. I suppose I have the great privilege of sitting in sometimes where a composer is working with an ensemble or a choir or a solo artist. That is a huge thrill, as far as I'm concerned, just to observe um, a composer and performer and the the wonderful dynamic between them and. People who are performing contemporary music, be they choirs or, or instrumentalists and, and conductors who commission, and this huge respect and and you know, genuine kind of thrill with working with a living artist is wonderful to see and, and I still find it hugely thrilling just to see that relationship and, uh, you know, you hear people talking about the fact that, you know, you perform Mozart or Haydn or, you know, we have these wonderful detectives like Jordi Saval, musical detectives who go back <laughs> and reconstruct and dig and dig in the archaeology and that's all wonderful but what what a gift to have a living, breathing composer coming to you with a, a new piece, and Absolutely. the access and the discussion and the insightfulness and the engagement. And I,
1: I, I know as well in my discussions with with choral directors, um, sometimes they say, "Oh, well, commissioning is something that a, a, an elite chamber choir might not do, at all, or something not at that." All. But it's for everybody. It's for yeah. children's choirs. It's for choral societies. It's for um, the chamber choir. It's for whoever and, would like to commission composers are interested I think in composing for them
0: To become a member of the Association of Irish Choirs please visit our website on aoic.ie or call 061
2: 234 823 I mean when I ran ran the Music Education Partnership in Donegal and we had a number of commissions with composers and the, the children there look back on all those projects with huge affection and it was their first engagement perhaps with a living composer and they it that, that was a huge, huge project, huge deal for them. They will always think very favourable um, about the living artist and about new music and the whole challenge of it and having the composer there talking through their piece. Uh, and maybe a particular line, a flute line or, or, or saxophone line was written especially for them and yeah. knowing their, their, their skill level and what they liked. That's something they'll take with them into adulthood
3: from a youth choir or from a a youth orchestra. And that's that's very, very special. Very special, Mm. creation of a new piece, the first performance of it, discovering the piece, how best to perform it, discussing with the composer. That's all, it's wonderful.
1: And it's so rewarding for everyone involved, for the composer, for the choirs. I'm not saying it doesn't have, um, you know, challenges to overcome at times. Of course it does. But actually the process is, is, is as much... Um, the the reward as the final result with the piece, I think. So just to bring our discussion to a close, um, I wonder if, uh, Bernie, you might just give maybe some final thoughts on choral music in Ireland and anything that you think would be relevant and important to mention just as we can finish out today.
3: Well, I suppose in general I think we are in a good place it's getting better all the time we have um, more conductors studying full time, studying abroad mostly we don't really have the luxury of a a real full time undergraduate or postgraduate conducting course yet they're on the way I do believe and certainly in the DIT I'm um, pushing that on as much as I can and now the AOIC in the summer course they have accreditation, they have 10 credits for each course which is is wonderful but um, there are people who really want to know more about conducting and who are taking that time to go to America, to Hungary, to Finland, some some of them even to Russia, um, and coming back with their expertise. And, and, and you see it around the country. Uh, you see more and more ambitious choirs and more choirs travelling. I, I think that's great. So I suppose I would be very optimistic about the future of choirs in Ireland, even though we don't have, you know, a, a really great infrastructure. Um, but... I'd, I'd be optimistic about it. I think it. as
1: infrastructure improves, you know, over the coming years and, and that's what's going to happen. I've, I've, I'm just being very positive in what I'm saying. I think mm-hmm. that is the case. There is a, a sort of ecosystem of fantastic work and fantastic people who are working in choral music in Ireland. And if we can harness that and grow into the future, there's every reason to be positive. Absolutely. Um, Yvonne, same thing. Yeah, I, I know I, you'll be my slightly... My observation
2: is that, you know, it's very... It's quite active between composers and choirs, and you know we, of course, we'd always like to encourage more. But you know, my sense from the composers that I would be meeting is that you know they're very, very interested in working with choirs. They're already doing so, and they want to upskill. A lot of the emerging composers are very keen to upskill with choirs. That's good for the development of choral music mm-hmm. in Ireland. That composers really want to write well. They
3: want to develop those skills to help and them write well. And conductors want to upskill. That's the other side of that. They Want training? They want to know yeah. how to best practice. You know, so everybody is looking for good quality, and that's that's really exciting, uh, and
2: uh, you know, bodes well for the future.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, we could talk all day. I know. Good. So, uh, thank you so much for thank being you, here.
2: Thank
0: you, Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Association of Irish Choirs podcast. For further information on all of our activities, please visit AOIC.ie. To become a member of the Association of Irish Choirs, please visit our website at aoic.ie or call 061 234 823.